The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 612. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N. McClanahan.com. Why are there? Give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. Support the show by going to McClanahanAcademy.com or BrianMcClanahan.com. Click on the support tab there or BrianMcClanahan.com. Click on the shop tab. You can get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. McClanahan Academy is the best way to do it. Purchase one or 20 of my classes. That way you keep this podcast free of charge, but you can donate at that support tab at BrianMcClanahan.com. Also, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It's a great way to let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. Comment on the YouTube channel that helps bump the algorithm. So all that stuff is essential. Share it around on social media. Send me those show requests. I like that stuff, right? You are a part of this program. The audience is important to me. So if I don't respond back to you, I'm sorry about that. But sometimes you're going to get your stuff on the podcast, like today. I've got another listener-generated episode today. So let me talk about this. It was uh, a, an email that was sent to me by a listener, and it's a high school student. So um, I, I appreciate younger people listening to this show, but it's a high school student. And the question was this, and I'm going to read the article that corresponds with it, and then I'll get to the question. It says, last month, Charles Cook put out a piece on the National Review website entitled, Yes, if America is ever invaded, you must take up arms and fight. And I'll, and I'll get into that piece in a minute. He says, it centers around the recent Quinnipiac survey showing that in the event of a Russian invasion, 38% of Americans said they would choose to leave the country over staying to defend it. 48% of those, 18 to 34-year-olds, said they would leave as well, as opposed to 45% who would stay. Cook considered this fact shameful and outrageous. So he asks, what are my thoughts on this survey? He says, is it really surprising, or is this a result of the natural decline of Americans' interest in the United States and government? He says, really, I don't know what I would do. I'm 18. Um, and he says, I, I, I probably would, maybe I'm inclined to say I would leave rather than fight. He says, I'm certainly not representative of everyone in my age group, but I personally feel no real sense of loyalty to America as a nation. I'm loyal to my group of friends and my family and to a uh, smaller degree to my community. But I personally see no real reason why the government of the United States would be entitled to my loyalty and even less so if it wanted me to go to war in Europe, Asia, or elsewhere. If things really came to that point, though, where a large foreign power was actively invading the United States, it's hard for me to say what I would or not do or how I would think. Now, first, my thoughts on this. 
and then I'll get to the to the article itself by Charles Cook. If you look at historically in the United States, one of the things he says here is very important. He's loyal to his friends and his family and to a smaller degree of his community. Now, part of this is because of the way that the United States has been nationalized. And I've talked about this all week. Yesterday we talked about nationalization. Tuesday we talked about nationalization. Monday we talked about nationalization. It really is the cancer behind everything in America that's wrong with America. Nobody wants to be governed by a foreign entity, whether it's a foreign entity from another country or a foreign entity from another state, which is like a country. But nobody wants to be governed by a foreign entity. No one wants to be governed by someone who doesn't necessarily share your views and values and political culture. It's always been that way in America. It's the genius of federalism. It's the genius of federalism. It's why in 1788 there was such a push to have a Tenth Amendment. It's why when the ratification process was ongoing, this was something that people talked about. It's why John Rutledge stood up and said that a federal negative of state laws ought alone to damn the Constitution. Because nobody wants to be governed by a foreign power. And so you should have loyalty to your friends and family and your community. And even your state. You should have loyalty to those things. Those are the places that are closest to you. The United States is down the line. This is when you get to the 1860s and why you had Robert E. Lee say, look, I can't raise my hand against my native state. Now, of course, there were Virginians who could, but Robert E. Lee could not. This is the whole point of Gelzo's book on Lee. Well, and, and Pryor's book, well, other Virginians did. Other Virginians did. They, they understood their loyalty was to the Union because the union is your government. The union is your country, not your state. See, this is operating from the Yankee position of, we're going to tell you what to do, even if you don't like it, because there's an election and it's 50 plus 1%, or in Lincoln's case, 39.6%, and you're going to like it. And you're going to like it, even though 60% of the population didn't vote for the guy. And the funny thing is, the other day, somebody commented, on the uh, somewhere I was reading, and it said, well, Lincoln got a majority. And the retort was, well, no, he didn't. He got 60. Well, the popular vote's irrelevant. However, the popular vote was certainly relevant when Al Gore supposedly got the popular vote and George Bush won. Progressives went ballistic over that. Or the fact that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote and Donald Trump won. Progressives went ballistic over that. Electoral college is, is racist. It's racist. It's got to go. But, of course, that's the only way Lincoln wins the election. If you put all the other people together, Lincoln, 39.6% of the popular vote, he's, he's not even close to being a majority president yet. This is, this is the will of the people, right? So uh, his, his point that, you know, well, I don't know what I would do. You should always defend your local. You should always defend your community. If the United States is invaded, well, I mean, we did have a union for common defense. Southerners were willing to fight in New England to defend New England. Many times over. New Englanders, not so much. I mean, there was always an issue of New England not really being behind these things. That's, the, that's another part of political culture. New England has always been about New England. You go the worry of 1812, New England's about New England. Even during the American War for Independence, you have George Washington pointing out that the only thing New Englanders really wanted was money. There's no nation on earth that likes money as much as those people, he said. Look, I mean, these people are different. So you've got a different group, a different crop of people up in, in uh, New England there. And so that was seen as, as difficult to reconcile. 
He wanted to forge a nation. I'm actually, Michael Bolden had a show suggestion for me. I'm going to get to that next week on George Washington. So it's coming, right? But um, I, I wanted to wrap, finish with these this week. So I would say, first of all, that you should want to defend the United States. If nothing else, defending the United States from a potential Russian invasion, I mean, come on. Um, that would be that would be something that would be certainly within the bounds of one to do as an American citizen, even of your state. That that union for common defense was important to the founding generation, and so that would be one thing. However, one thing I do find interesting about this, and this is a young man; he's eighteen. I think the progressives and the the nationalists are afraid. I think they're running scared right now for some for, for particular reasons. This the, the war drums over Russia and Ukraine hasn't been as productive as they hoped it would be. I know there's a big push for it. People are you know flying the Ukrainian flag and all that nonsense. But um, I think that it's interesting. There's been some pushback on this because people aren't necessarily, as this young man says, he's, he doesn't, he's not going to go fight in Europe and Asia. No one would ask him. I mean, that, that's, to me, that's complete bastardization of what the founding generation wanted, right? But uh, the fact is, there's been you know, some pushback on that. And so one of the things that's often been said about secession or decentralization, if a state leaves, you got people like Bill Bennett running out there saying, well, if one person in a state that leaves the union wants to be in the union, we're going to send in the tanks. How many of these 18 to 34-year-olds be willing to do that? I mean, it's 48% said they wouldn't go and fight against a foreign invasion. Would they fight against secession? Probably not. Would the number be even higher if it was, look, if Vermont wanted to leave tomorrow or New Hampshire, would you fight to keep it in the Union? I, I can almost guarantee that the number would be, be much lower than uh, 50% plus would be willing to do it. I think there'd be a lot, particularly young people, a lot of young people would say, nah, let them go. Let the state go. Let California go. Let Washington go. Let them go. I think this is something that's interesting to watch in the future, what the pulse of young people in America is when it comes to that kind of question. Would you be willing to fight to keep a state in the union? Like people were willing to fight in 1861 to do that. I think the answer would be much less than 50% today. And this is what scares the establishment. Because if that's the case, then decentralization is certainly on the table. It's certainly on the table. Uh, even, you know, look, federalism is great if it can work, right? And this is what we really should have. And it works if you've got people saying, all right, well, New England, you be your, you be New England, and South, you be South, and West Coast, you be West Coast, and Midwest, you know, you be the Midwest, and the Mountain States, you be the Mountain States, and let's just all have our own regional identity, and we'll come together forever invaded, but not aggressive foreign policy. That's the difference. When he brings up Asia or Europe, well, certainly. Again, that's a distortion of what the founding generation wanted out of American foreign policy. But let me get to this piece on the National Review. So that would be my answer. You should want to defend your community and your family. And if there's an invasion, that's going to be directly an assault on those things, right? And you shouldn't want you know any part of this peeled off unless we're talking about secession. But... Um, that's a whole other thing. So let me get to this piece. of Ameri- Yes, if America is ever invaded, you must take up arms and fight. He says, as part of a recent survey of attitudes towards Russia's execrable invasion of Ukraine. Now think about the virtue signaling there. 
The polling from Quinnipiac asked Americans whether they would stay and fight if the United States were invaded by Russia. The results make sobering and often disgraceful reading. 68% of Republicans said they would stay and fight, with 25% indicating they'd run away. Among independents, those numbers are 57-36. Among Democrats, they're in negative territory, 40-52. to 52. Among 50- to 64-year-old men and women, the stay-leave numbers are 66-28. Among 18- to 34-year-olds, they are 45-48. Or to put it another way, a majority of the prime-aged Americans whom the United States would need were such a crisis to arise, imagine that they would flee if that crisis ever came. For shame. So, he's saying it's millennials and Gen Zers that give the wrong answer. But you get the old old fogies out there, 50 to 64, which actually wouldn't be called on. Anything over 45 or 46, you're considered to be an old guy, and you're not really going to, going to get involved in that. But Democrats don't want to fight for the United States at all. I mean, there, no way. 40 to 50, I mean, this is, this is the soy generation, right? So the, the, that's, that's not surprising. I mean, you have the people that support the Democrats. And of course, among independents, you know, 57, 36, Republicans, you got the rah-rah Republicans out there, 66%, 25% saying they'd run away. But if you break that down to the smaller numbers, again, young people, this is interesting. Now, what's behind this? What's behind this? Um, I think some of it has to do with extreme nationalization. I think that the young man is correct about that. And people don't really like to be governed by somebody else. Some of it has to do with our American education system. For the Democrats, I think it's clear. Years and years and years of being bludgeoned over the head that America is racist, America is bad, America is all these things. Why would they fight for that? Why wouldn't they accept Chinese rule? Or Russian rule. Why wouldn't they accept that? They think it's better. They think it'd be better to be invaded by Saudi Arabia and live like the Saudis. Sure. This is what they think. Right? Because the Southerners down there, these conservatives, they're awful. It'd be better to be ruled by some foreign power than conservatives, than Donald Trump. I mean, good gosh, Donald Trump took away all of my rights. It's very funny. So he says, for shame, lest the excuse makers try to find nuance where none exists, let us note for the record that this is the most elemental question that a free man can ever be asked. There are no caveats or complexities here, and there is barely any politics either. If the United States were invaded by Russia, America's defense of itself could not plausibly be construed as imperialism or as interventionism or as a foreign war or conflict of choice. I agree with him on that. Right? If the United States is invaded, it's none of those things. That's a whole other situation. Nor could skeptics a la Rupert Brooke meaningfully complain, meaningfully complain that they were being asked to fight and die in a corner of a foreign field. In such a circumstance, we were protecting home and all who cherish it. To demure when called upon to defend that home from conquest is to willingly turn oneself into an exile. The seas, oceans, beaches, landing grounds, fields, streets, hills, and air of which Winston Churchill spoke in 1940 were not random pictures on the map. They were living quarters of millions. Flee? Never. So what's interesting, of course, you got, you've got uh, Cook invoking Winston Churchill and the Battle of Britain, and we're going to fight. Well, what about Southerners doing the exact same thing? No, 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 those people are bad, right? So you should fight for your, for your land and all these things. This is exactly what Southerners were doing in 1861. But no, no, those people are bad. We can't do that. They're evil. He says, I do not write this out of gung-ho jingoism or self-aggrandizement. 
If the United States were invaded, it would, without a shadow of doubt, be the worst thing that had happened to the world in my lifetime, as well as the worst thing that had happened to, to me. I've never wanted to be involved in a war of any kind, and I'm no, under no illusions as to the likely limits of my own martial ability. But if an invading force came to our shores, that, that choice would be taken away from me. When I became an American citizen in 2018, I took an oath to support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, as well as to bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by the law. And I meant it. But I didn't need this promise to know what would be expected of me. America is where my life is, where my wife and children are, and where my friends are. My kids go to school here, to church here, and to dinner here, to the diner here, to t-ball practice here. America is where I vote and complain and celebrate. America is where I help and am helped. America, per Fitzgerald, is a willingness of the heart. So, I mean, he's right about this. Now, America, or is it his state? And this is what we have to get into, right? So, uh, I'm not saying that that should be the choice. Well, if not invading my state, I'm not going to come to their defense. The, of course, there were Americans in the antebellum period that had that belief. They didn't want to leave the state. In New England in particular, they weren't going outside the state. You've got Winfield Scott attacking into Canada during the War of 1812. You've got New Englanders saying, nah, no thanks, we're going to stay here on the other side of the border. And you're going to go over there and get captured. Winfield Scott's from Virginia. You certainly had Americans who were willing to do things mainly from the South, whereas New Englanders didn't really want to leave their state. That's, that's an interesting part of American history. Cook says, I can conceive of only two reasons that an able-bodied man might tell a pollster that he would run away in the face of a foreign invasion. The first is that he believes America is not worth fighting for because it is less worthwhile than the dictatorial rule under the invader. The second is that he believes that if he flees, someone else will do the fighting on his behalf. Neither is acceptable. To fail to grasp one's extraordinary fortune as an American is to be guilty of historical ignorance and chronic ingratitude. While to believe that America is worth defending while you remain unwilling to pitch in is to be guilty of cowardice and most perf uh, perfectly defined, as most perfectly defined. Perfectly, I'm sorry. As a matter of basic civic hygiene, a number of young American men declaring their readiness to resist in case of an attack on their country ought to be approaching 100%, for without them, our abstract commitment to ideals such as liberty, democracy, and equality mean nothing. Now think about what he just said there. So if these young guys aren't willing to support our um, proposition nation, that's a problem. Well, maybe it's the proposition, the abstract commitments to ideas. Maybe that's the problem. You're asking people to go out and support abstractions. Liberty, equality, democracy. How about just home? How about just you're defending your home? Right? It's not about liberty, equality, democracy. This is what we think that all, that since 1861, this is what it's all about. It's about abstractions. It's not. It's not. You ask those men, and it's James McPherson did this. In 1861, what they're fighting for, well, I'm fighting to save the Union. Sort of an abstraction, without question. Southerners, I'm fighting to prevent slavery. My own enslavement to a foreign power, which would be the North. I'm fighting against that. Not abstractions, real things. Real tangible things. My hearth and home, that's what I'm fighting for. If you, would, if you don't come down here, I'm not going to fight you. Just leave us alone. So in some ways, Northerners were fighting for this abstraction, this metaphysical union. But they weren't fighting for liberty, democracy, and equality. Matters of state are almost never clear-cut or simple, but this one truly is. The question asked by Quinnipiac was, if you were in the same position as Ukrainians are now, do you think that you would stay and fight or leave the country? 
There's no wiggle room here. The position that Ukrainians are in, the one that the United States would be in a, in a Quinnipiac hypothetical, is stark. At the behest of a dictator who wishes to install a puppet government, the country has been invaded by a foreign ar- army that has proven willing to kill at will. Now, think about that, because the government of the Ukraine is a puppet government installed by a foreign power. <laughs> I mean, you can't make this up, but it is, by the Obama administration. If an eventuality such as that can't get all American men to say, hell yes, I'd pitch in, then, well, America has a profound problem with its heart. But again, some of this comes from the way Americans have been beat over the head, relentlessly beat over the head, with this idea of America's bad, America's never been good, America's inherently racist, you've got white supremacy everywhere. So why would I defend that? Now, I do think the nationalization of everything is highly troubling, and it started a long time ago, and this is what caused all these problems. So Americans should be rushing to defend the United States at some point. I mean, if we're, look, we've got two big ponds. It's very hard to invade the United States. This is a hypothetical question, and it'd be one that would be um, really difficult to pull off, to invade the United States, a foreign power to do it. Not saying it couldn't be done, but it'd be really difficult and I do think those numbers would shift if there was an invasion. Americans, you know, even young Americans, would probably get on board. But, of course, the United States government would simply handle the problem by instilling a draft. They would just conscript people. It wouldn't matter. Um, so that's a whole other issue. But I, I like the question. It's nice to hear from, from young people who listen to the show. Um, and you know, part of the disillusionment with American politics is this nationalization of everything. We need to be rethinking that commitment to an American nation and think about a federal republic and think about defending, really do, defending your state. We do have a common defense pact with the other states. If the other states are actually invaded, there should be people raised for defense from a foreign power. should be people raised in defense of those states. All right. Hope you enjoyed this week at the Brian McClanahan Show. If you want me for a fifth episode, pick up the Abbeville Institute podcast. Go to abbevilleinstitute.org and get that podcast there. Or get it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are. It's another great podcast that I uh, am the host of over there at abbevilleinstitute.org. All right, so until next week, see you then.